Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. My name is Bella and we are here for another week, which is very exciting despite the fact that I've already all recorded this. I've got a new microphone and it's so good. It's so crystal clear and it sounds incredible. But I didn't realise, I just put an old SD card in, which was really stupid. I should have checked if the SD card was full before I used it. And I've just checked it and it was full. And I think it might have been full for the entire 10 minutes that I was recording. But at least I saw it when I did. At least I didn't see it at the end of the recording this section. I think that would have made me really, really, really sad. Last time you spoke to me, I was about to leave Scarborough and I was feeling pretty sad about it. I always find going back home a little bit tricky because... I really love it and I hate that my brain does this to me, but I kind of focus on the things that I'll never have again. I'm always thinking, oh, I'll never be able to live at home again. I'll never have this life again. I'll never be in that chapter of my life again. Kind of craving that past, like that nostalgia bit in a much more of a kind of not good way. Like in a way that's just a little bit destructive and unnecessary because I just dramatise the entire situation. But I think recently I've been realising that I do dramatise it and I've been realising that although... Of course, I would love to live at home again and have that, like, you know, that, like, family relationship where you're in each other's lives all the time. Of course, I'd want to have that again. But the reality is, if I lived at home, I wouldn't be that happy. I wouldn't be as happy as I am now. I wouldn't be as happy as I am in the life that I've created in London. So as much as I miss that life, as much as that is a life that I loved and I will always cherish, the reality of having that life now is very different to the reality of having that life then. If I had it now, it's not what I want. It's not what I need. It's not what's going to make me feel fulfilled. It wouldn't propel me on to like bigger and better things. And so for me right now, living at home is not the option that I really want. So I feel like that's what I'm trying to remember a lot when I'm going through change is realizing that although I feel nostalgic for the past, the past is not what will serve me. It's not going to help me go on to bigger and better things. And that's really helped me adapt to coming to London. This is embarrassing to admit, but on my way to the train, I was like crying because a really stupid thing was stressing me out about how I was going to carry all my bags. And I don't actually think that was the thing that was stressing me out. The thing that was stressing me out was the fact I was going back to London and it was change. And we all know how I feel about change. But I was pretending it was... Well, no, the bag situation was also a bit stressful because I'm such an overpacker. I overpack so many things and I never managed to get everything in a small... If you can pack lightly, please, can you teach me? Because I really need to know. I really need that support in my life. Please and thank you. Um, But I got back to London and all of a sudden I was just reminded of how much I love it here and how much of a good place here is for me. It's made me, like, as soon as I got back, I did a food shop, I unpacked my bags, I cleaned my room, and I was like, you know what, I'm ready to write this dissertation. I can't focus in Scarborough. There's too much going on. It's a place I associate too much with summer. Right now I need to be in study mode. I need to get this dissertation done because I have very exciting news. I am going to go to Vietnam. I know, I'm so excited. I'm going to go in September. You know how me and my boyfriend went to Bali last September? This September we're going to go to Vietnam. And oh, I'm just really excited. And that's making me feel more motivated that I need to have all of my analysis done by latest middle of July so then I can write it for a month and then I can submit it like middle of August so then I can go and I just want to have like a proper good break before I start my job and I feel like that'll be the best way that I can do it and that's why I'm feeling so motivated to work now but the issue in feeling so motivated to work now is the fact that I am not setting myself very good boundaries and it goes against everything that I've spoken to you guys about it goes against every single piece of advice that I've ever given you but I'm just really struggling to set boundaries for myself because I'm just thinking about the work all the time because it's such a massive project and I'm like 
getting somewhere with it. I'm finding things out about my data. I'm seeing where things would go. And I think that's really exciting. And I know the different things that I should be doing. And so when I realized that there's something else that I could do rather than being like, it's fine, Bella, you can do it tomorrow. I'm like, I may as well do it now because I'm just going to think about it all evening. And then once I start, I don't stop. And I've just been working to like 11 p.m., which isn't healthy, but also, oh, what was that? Oh, I've been on TikTok too much today. <laughs> Whoops. Um, but anyway, I have realized that I just want to get this done. And this is the last time I'll ever have, well, it's not because I know for my job, I'll have to do this type of work, but it's the last time I'll be so isolated with this piece of work. Like it's literally just me doing it, me on my own. And I've started coming into uni again because I just feel like I need to have a bit more of a structure and routine where I leave the house. I think I've been staying at home quite a lot recently and it's not the most productive place to work. So coming into uni three times a week has been really good. But I've also started nannying again and like just to save up money for Vietnam. And that's also been a really good thing. That's been a thing that's kind of helped me break up my time and spend time doing other things. I think it's also motivated me to work more effectively because I have less time. I realised if I have time, I will just fill the time. If you give me two hours to do a piece of work, I'll take two hours, even if I could have done it, done, could have had it done in an hour, because I'll just go over what you asked me to do. I'll try and push myself too like hard. I'll push myself too far and it'll be unnecessary. So I think this is why doing other things, filling my life with like other things that I can't stop myself from doing is a really good way for me to switch off. And it's not healthy and I'm recognising that it's not healthy, but right now this is it guys this is my final piece of big piece of work that I need to do so I'm taking those bits of motivation that I get where I'm like I need to do this now I am enjoying them okay I'm taking advantage of them I've also decided that I'm going to take a bit of time off from drinking like as intensely when I was at home I drank every single night and it wasn't just like a little drink it was like a like I was drunk every single night and it's because everyone was just out and we were always going to the pub and it's barbecue weather and just nice and everything but I've realized I can't do the other things I'm sorry if my voice is like really gravelly I think I am a I'm not saying I'm ill we know how that goes because I predict that I'm going to be ill and then I make myself ill I think I'm just a little bit run downy at the moment um so that's why I'm having like some time off drinking I might drink this weekend but I don't plan on getting really 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 drunk you know, I'm not, I need to have some focus, I need to have a focus month, because the thing is, July, like the next four weeks I can focus in, because then once July 20th hits, my weekends are really busy, like my life turns really busy all of a sudden, so I want to be in a good place, and I think the best position that I could put myself in is not being hungover, because I forgot how anxious, how, I forgot how anxious being hungover makes me, I forgot how much of a kind of nervous wreck I become and how much I overthink absolutely everything. I was really hungover on Sunday, like the worst hangover I've ever had in my entire, like the worst hangover I've had in months. I was going to say entire life, but there was this one hangover that I think I threw up. I did. I forgot. Mum had to pull over and I threw up out of the car. That was a very bad hangover. This hangover was bad. It wasn't sicky. It was like death. It was like I had died. I just had a starfish on my bed and I've never been more grateful that I'd already recorded the podcast and edited it and it had gone up because the thought of having... Like, I used to sometimes... This is when I was in my bad podcast phase, but I used to sometimes just leave the podcast until Sunday and just edit it, record it all in one day and just upload it. Even if it was uploaded at, like, 10pm, I would upload it. And 
those were the days when I'd go out on a Saturday and I would just wake up and think, oh my God, I have to talk. Because when I'm hungover, I'm silent. I'm not a chatty, hungover person. I've also realised I'm not I'm not, a su- I'm not always a super chatty morning person. At the beginning of the week, I was. But recently, I haven't been. I haven't been the most chattiest of person. And I think, I think it's probably because I'm tired. It's probably because I'm working hard. But I think this is why I'm trying to curate some better habits into my life again. Because I want to be on top form. And I don't feel guilty for drinking last week. None of that. Like, I don't... I had a great time last week. And I really enjoyed it. I think that's the thing. So much of the self-care wellness world is like... I never drink, which is absolutely fine if that's what you do and that's what you want to do. But I don't like this kind of morality about decision-making. It's whatever that person wants to do and whatever decision is going to serve them better, then that is the right decision for them. It's not like you can't judge someone for going out when you don't want to get... Like, do you know what I mean? I don't like the judgment about it, which is why I don't, I'm not judging myself for doing that. I had an absolutely brilliant time, but equally... It's time to rein it in a little bit now. I was talking to my mum about this, and you know how everyone's like, Christmas is the big time of the year for partying and everything? We wholeheartedly disagree. It's summer. I can easily not drink on a Christmas evening. On a summer evening, if you're going to offer me a beer, I'm going to say yes. I'm just going to say yes, and there's nothing you could do that's going to make me say no, you know? So this is why, having a bit of time off from drinking, probably I'm going to drink Friday a little, like one drink, but not, but not going all out. In other news, the dissertation is going to plan, apart from I had my first big dissertation disaster. Touch wood, the last one. I hope that's wood. Kind of like plasticky, I can't lie. Let's just hope for the best. I'll touch my head instead. Um, I deleted all of my data on Wednesday. So that was really fun. I had to spend three hours remaking, maybe six hours actually, remaking this data and getting my data back to the point that I was already at, all from memory, because I didn't realise when you, so the code that I'm using is R, and what you write in is like called an R script, and you write in that and you run it from that, and it goes out into the output area. Well, I didn't realise this, and there's two areas that you can write in. You can also write in the output area, and I was writing in the output area. So when everything crashed, I also lost all of the work that I'd been doing. Which was, you know, mm, a painful moment, a painful moment. But it's okay, because I feel like I actually handled it very well. For the first time ever, I didn't have a total breakdown about it. And I just started, right, this sounds weird, but rather than like crying about it, all of a sudden I just started thinking, I did it before, I can do it again. I did it before, I can do it again. I did it before, I can do it again. And it became a kind of mantra that as I was working, I was like, it's fine, don't panic, just get it done. Like, you can remember, I remember everything that I did. Like, it's fine, I remember the mistakes I made beforehand. This won't take me long. And it took me six hours, but I got there. And now I'm in a good position again today. And like, it all worked out and I'm really proud of myself for doing that. And so I feel like this was a growing moment, you know? Because so often when things have happened in my dissertation in life, when it's been an absolute disaster, I have just cried and been like, I don't know how to solve it, ah, kind of way. But this was a moment where I was like, right, this has happened, deep breath, we're going to fix it, it's okay. And I actually managed to solve it, because quite often when I go into that kind of like, ah, mode, that's not, I could, that's wasted time, I could be spending that time fixing it that's not going to fix itself. And by having those aha moments, it's wasting that time. And so this was a good growing moment. Like I felt quite proud of myself for changing how I was thinking about all of this. And I think in conjunction with how I'm changing about how I'm thinking, I've been doing, oh, this is probably more new things I've done this week. So (laughs) 
we're going to skip that, cut that short. In other news, have you heard about the Titanic thing? If you haven't, you've been living under a rock. Because, but then I was speaking to my friend and my boyfriend about it and they didn't know anything about it. Nothing. I have watched every single TikTok video on it I could find. I'm so invested. I'm so interested. It's heartbreaking. It's my worst possible nightmare. My worst possible nightmare. And I just watched a really interesting video. I actually have watched two interesting videos about it. So if you didn't know, there's this thing called the Titan, which is a five-person submarine which goes to the bottom of the ocean and allows you to look at Titanic, which is at 12,000 feet, which we rarely go down to because it's such high pressure. And all the because it's so high pressure, you're in this like metal tube and they bolt you in and there's a window and you drive the thing with a Game Boy controller. And that's how you get down and you press a button and the way the guy describes it is like an elevator. You press the button and it takes you automatically down and then it brings you back up again. So you just have to press the button and that's it. And they lost contact with it an hour and a half into its voyage. It normally takes five hours to get to the Titanic like ocean floor. Um, and it's got lost, which is heartbreaking for the people on, vo- in, like, on the actual ship, submarine, submersible. I'm not sure what to call it. Like, I can't imagine how horrific that must be because obviously there's a limited amount of oxygen and you're bolted in from the outside so you can't get out even if you reach the surface. But one, like, two really interesting videos that I just watched about it were that the person who's, like, it cost £250,000 to go down there and the CEO of the company was on board this ship, on bo- I don't know what to call it, on board the submarine and his wife, who is also wife CEO of the company, her grandparents were on the original Titanic. And everyone's like, I'm so shocked about this. But then I'm also like, I'm not that shocked about this. This was probably the motivating factor behind why they're so interested in it. Her grandparents, you know, in Titanic, the film, where there's that old couple and they're hugging each other on the boat, on the bed and they're like, we're going to go down together. I think it's called like Irene and Irva. I, that's so wrong. But like, do you remember that couple, the old couple? That was her grandparents. And, like, they obviously died on board the Titanic. And so that's that's that connection. And, yeah, everyone was shocked about it. Kind of makes sense to me, like, kind of kind of makes sense. But anyway, another thing is I watched this. So you know how some sharks have been tacked? And we can track them on this shark tracker app. And when you looked at the data for when they got miss, went missing, two sharks, like, these sharks have this normal kind of path along, like, the Canadian sea I think or ocean I don't know along that along the North Pacific Ocean they were just always along the border and then you see these two sharks jump all the way both of them to the exact location where the Titan went missing and Titanic sunk so something's obviously happened something has definitely obviously happened and apparently they could hear banging in Morse code um well we think it's Morse code they could hear banging from that part of the ocean I just, it's actually my worst nightmare, being trapped at the bottom of the ocean, not being able to get up. I think it sounds horrific. It sounds absolutely horrific. But I just hope that it's going to be okay. I think a lot of people are losing hope now because they've been gone for, oh, I just kicked something. They've been gone for quite a while. So it's becoming unlikely that everything is okay. Um, But it's just been such a new story because the thing is, the Titan has very limited safety procedures. 
three people have pulled out of previous missions because it wasn't deemed safe enough. When you go on the boat, like, thing, submarine, whatever you want to call it, you have to sign a papers which basically say, like, this is really unsafe, I recognise this, if I die, I'm not going to sue you. He made this himself from, like, camping equipment. It's just all a bit mental how people actually went on it and thought that this was going to be safe. But it's also just really sad because a family was on it and I just think what those that parents and everything must be going through. It's horrific. But anyway, on to the content part of this week's podcast because I've rambled about the Titanic for long enough. Today we are talking about long-distance relationships because me and my boyfriend have been long-distance for three years. He's just finished uni, we've come up to the three-year part, we were about to hit our three-year anniversary and I felt like this was a good... This was a good time to talk about it because I have learned so much about myself and about being in a relationship and especially being long distance over the past three years. And I think it's quite a scary concept when you're not really sure how it's all going to work out. And so I think it's something really important that we speak about. So onto the content part for this week's podcast. So this week we are talking about being in a long distance relationship. I feel like it's a very good time to bring this up as me and my boyfriend are about to celebrate our three year anniversary. So I feel like I've got a lot of practice at being in long distance relationships. Before that, I was in another long distance relationship for four years, two years, actually, two of it wasn't long distance, but two of it was long distance. So culminating in a five year experience of being long distance. None of my people that I'm ever with, like none of my boyfriends, have ever been in the same town or like city as me ever in my life. So I've never had that kind of close contact type of relationship. And so this is why I think it's something important to talk about because so much of our kind of narrative now is speaking about how in your 20s, you should be single, you should be focusing on yourself. And I've kind of being in a relationship. I found that narrative hard because it made me question like, am I doing the right thing? Am I able to develop myself? Am I able to turn myself into who I want to be? And I think... The reason why I've been able to say yes is because I have been in a long distance relationship. Now, I'm not saying if you're in a relationship that you're not doing like that's not what I mean. But I mean, for me, it was important to know myself who I was on my own. And being in a long distance relationship has allowed me to do that. And that's why I think it's something that was really important to talk about. I mean, I think so many people, when they're thinking about going long distance, focus on the negative side effect of it. They focus on the fact that you're not going to be able to see each other every single day. You know, you're not it's the reality. You're not going to be in each other's lives all the time. You're going to live kind of separate lives. But the fact is that that's okay. And I think when you're in your 20s, when you're still learning who you are, that can actually be the biggest benefit. Because I think back to like past relationships where I didn't know who I was and I merged my life too much with other people's lives. And when that ends, it leaves you kind of searching for who you are. And I think being in a long distance relationship has allowed me to reflect on who I am. And it's allowed me to curate a really strong life around myself that I've created for myself. And I think acknowledging that I've done that, acknowledging the independence that being in a long distance relationship has provided me has been a massive motivating factor in doing it. Now, I'm not saying it's easy. It's definitely not easy. And that's what I'm going to go through today is like the tips and tricks that I've learned along the way that has definitely made it easier. But I think it's one of those things that going into it it can be really easy to focus on the negatives, but try and not. Try and focus on the positives of what this experience could give you. I think my dad said something really nice that kind of made me frame it in a more positive life. And he's like, you are apart because of the opportunities that you are presented with. You are apart because of how many good things you have going on in your individual lives. And that's what you want to pursue. And all of a sudden I started to think like, yeah, you know what? This is a positive fact. 
The fact that we are apart is because there's so much going on in our own lives that we need to focus on that right now, not each other. And I think when you are going into a long distance relationship, if you're about to go to uni, you've got so many opportunities and that's why you have to go long distance. That's why you can't be together right now is because you need to be in your individual cities. You need to enjoy it. But anyway, let me give you a backstory. So me and my boyfriend have been long distance for the past three years. He lives in Manchester. I live now in London. Then I lived in, I used to live in Scarborough. Then I used to live in Leeds. Um, so we used to be kind of close, but that was during COVID. So you obviously couldn't travel to see each other. Then we both moved home for a little bit in Scarborough when it was more COVID time. But again, couldn't really see each other. Then it got better again. And then he went back to uni and then I stayed in Scarborough for a year, which was hard. And then I moved to London. And it hasn't always been easy. And I think I've definitely really struggled with it. I struggled the most in Scarborough. And I think that was because that's when I had the least going on in my life. And I think this is the danger in long distance is that sometimes it can be a point of comparison because you are living two separate lives. And it can be a point of comparison of wondering, like, I felt like my life didn't have anything going on. And I felt like his life had so much going on. And that would definitely be something that would play on my mind. It would make me feel kind of jealous of. Like I was jealous of how many great things they were going on where he was. And I think this is the thing. When you are long distance, you are kind of living two separate lives. And you can really, really, really try hard to merge it. And that's what I'm going to encourage you to do. And there are ways that you can merge it that I'll go on to later. But the reality is, is that you are kind of living two separate lives. That you are connected. You've got that person at the end of the phone. You're always going to be there for each other. But you have your own shit going on. It's kind of nice to think about like you're a team, but you're both fighting your own battle, you know, battle's a bit dramatic, but your own, you're making your own path. You're a team and you're always connected, but you're doing your own thing. And that is exciting. And I think if I hadn't have been long distance, I don't think I'd have pushed myself to do half the things that I have pushed myself to do. I don't know if I'd have come to London if I wasn't long distance because I'd have been comfortable. And I think this is the thing. When you are long distance, you don't get comfortable you don't get comfortable because you don't have that person around you to be comfortable with. You're on your own. And that can be really intimidating and it can be scary and it can be lonely. Like, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. There are points where I just was like, I wish you were here. I wish we could hang out right now. I have a free evening and you have a free evening, but you're halfway across the country and it's just really annoying. But I also think that loneliness is important. I think it's really important to spend time on your own, to be lonely, to be bored, to work out who you are in those types of situations, because it's in those types of situations that you actually start to unpack your thoughts. You start to work out what's going on in your head. You start to work out what you want in life, what you don't want in life. The moments that I have been bored have been the moments where things have changed for me. And I think that's why boredom is so important because it makes you realise that things aren't okay. It gives you that motivation to change things. And if I wasn't in a long distance relationship, I'd never have been bored. I'd never have been bored because you're always hanging out with someone. There's always someone there. I even noticed it last week when we were back in Scarborough. All of the things that I do to keep myself good, to keep myself on track, like my habits that are really important to me, even recording like videos for the TikTok channel, recording the podcast, all of a sudden it was so much harder to manage because there were so many other things going on and there was no motivation really to do it because I just wanted to hang out with my friends. Like I wanted to be with people. I wanted to hang out with my boyfriend and that's totally normal. But being on distance has meant that I haven't had that opportunity and so I've really had to push myself to fill my time with other things. And that's something that I'm really grateful for. I feel like I've developed so much over the past three years into someone that I'm really proud of. Like, You've Got Mail would never have happened if I hadn't have 
spent time on my own and been really bored because it was that period of time in Scarborough where I was fully on my own that I, you know, I learned who I was and I realised that I needed something else going on in my life and I realised that I needed more of a space to talk about things and that's why I created You've Got Mail. I think one of the cornerstones of being in a long-distance relationship is communication and I think that's the key thing that we've now developed down to a T that has made long-distance work. Like, if you are entering a long-distance relationship... Communication is at the forefront of every single thing that you do because communication is all you have. And that's something that you have to be really understanding about and it's something that you're going to have to develop a lot of patience about. I think for me, I used to have this thing where if I was free and I called them, I would expect them to be free as well. And it was really, like, weird, and I don't know why I thought that way, but I felt like because I was free... They would also be free and I would get feel like really let down if they weren't free. I'd feel like just lonely because I think in those moments where I was free, I was feeling a bit lonely and I wanted to speak to them and they weren't free. And that would make me feel really like, oh, like this is just a bit shit. This is not what I wanted. And I think on reflection, that was a massive thing that I had to get over is realising that he's not going to be free when I'm free. You know, our timetables do not match up. And there is no point getting annoyed at someone when they don't pick up your call because that really doesn't help anything. And I think this is where my patience with people and my understanding and my ability to be flexible has changed so much. And it's something that, like, I used to be very stubborn about a lot of things. And I used to be very kind of set in my ways about things. Like, if I want this to happen this way, if it doesn't, blah, 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 blah. But I think through having this like better understanding of like this other person having their own life and how your lives are not always going to match up has been a really really big step forward and I think this is the thing going into a long distance relationship you need to be very patient with each other you need to understand that you're not always going to be free when each other are free and that does come with good communication I think being able to communicate when each other is busy, being able to organise a time to FaceTime is really important. Something that's been important for us has been FaceTiming, and I think, or calling whenever you're free. Just having, like, if I'm just walking home from uni, as long as I know, like, he's not got anything massive on, I'll just give him a little call. And it's just like a catch-up, touching base, but it's just nice to know that you're thinking about each other. And if I see, like, do you know what I mean? Like, not treating this call as such a massive daily activity. Just being able to call for five minutes. Just asking, like, how your day was, what you up to, like, what did you have for lunch? I don't know, like, silly things. But that makes it feel less far away. It makes you feel more connected. It makes that distance feel less intense. And I think that's something that I found has been a recent thing that I found really helpful is having those little calls, having it so it's less intense of a call. Because when you have one call a day and it's like this big hour-long phone call, it can be really hard to work out how you're going to like fit that into your timetable. And you might not manage to fit it into your timetable. You might have loads of shit going on that day. You might want to hang out with your friends. And I think this is the other thing, recognising that that's okay. As much as you should make time for each other, and that's not what I'm trying to say, like you obviously need to speak to each other and make time for each other, but Sometimes your timetable is going to change and sometimes they're going to want to watch a film with their friends rather than be on a phone call and that's okay. And I think this understanding and this flexibility to my approach of long distance and communication has been really, really important. I used to get like, oh, this is when we're meant to call and blah, 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 and you chose that over me and I just feel really sad about it. But, But it's not that. They're not choosing that over than you, but it's they're surrounded by all of their mates. Do you really think they want to like leave... They haven't seen their friends for a week. They're going to leave all of their friends to come and call you when you could call the next day. And that would be all right. And imagine you were in a, like, a close relationship, not close, like, 
I don't know, short distance, normal relationship where you're close together. If all of a sudden you'd have been hanging out all week and then they had to cancel your plans or they had to change the plans to go do something else, you'd be all right about it. It would be all right because you want each other to have your own lives and there's that flexibility. And I think this understanding, when I was saying that, I was like, would I feel all right about that? But you know, I would because the key thing to remembering long distance is the core of you guys, the core of you guys together is that you love each other. You really love each other. You're a team. And if they want to do this, then you're going to not going to make... Ugh, then you're not going to make them feel guilty about it. If they want to do that, that's because something that they're going to really enjoy. And there's like a kind of joy that comes from that. I'm really happy that you get to go do that with your friends. Like, I'm happy that you're having a good time. Obviously, that comes within reason. And this comes onto another thing is make sure you FaceTime more than once a week. Three times a week, I think, is essential. Four times a week good but like hard to fit it in three times a week I reckon you can fit it in you can manage to find the time and I think that's been something that's been important but on top of facetiming three times a week or whatever schedule works for you like I need three times you might need one time you might work five times I don't know but work out what your routine is and how much contact you need to make it feel like you are connected because I think the routine of calling every single night it got a bit I don't know it felt quite like a lot, a lot of responsibility. And if I missed it, I felt guilty and all of these types of things. And it was just quite hard to keep up because it also means that you're missing out on a lot of things in your own life. You might want to watch a film with your housemates. You might want to do all of these other things. And sometimes you don't want to call. And I think you've got to acknowledge that that's not that you don't want to call them. It's that I don't want to be on a phone call, you know? I'm not in a chatty mood right now. If we were hanging out, and this is the other thing, that understanding communication, communicating how you're feeling is really, really important. I think one of the big things that I've kind of grappled with in the long distance thing is realising that I don't always want to call someone. I'm not always in a chatty mood. If we were together, we'd just be hanging out right now and I'd really enjoy that. And recognising and communicating how our feelings are and how our emotions are and just being like, I'm actually quite tired right now. Like, I don't really feel in a chatty mood, but I really love you and I wish we could hang out but I'm just not feeling very chatty. And accepting that isn't a reflection on their feelings for you, it's a reflection on the day that they've had. It's a reflection on the fact that they're living their life and I think that's something that took me a while to comprehend and took me a while not to get offended about. But now I feel the exact same and I get it and I think I wasted so much energy thinking so many things were a reflection on me when, real when in reality they're just a reflection of someone living their own life and it's got nothing to do with you. And this is why, again, it all comes back to communication. The only thing you have in long distance is communication. So you have to be really good at communicating. Like, it's not that I don't want to talk to you. It's I feel really tired right now. I've had a really stressful day. And I kind of just want to watch some telly. Like, I'm sorry. Is that okay? You don't even need to feel sorry about it. Like, there's nothing you've done wrong. You just want to watch some TV. And I think communicating that has been a really... Oh, just me recognising that has been something that has been really, really important. The next thing in the communication section for long distance relationships, Snapchat. Okay, right. I've been against Snapchat for years. I came off it like two years ago. I was like, cringe. No, thank you. Never going to use it ever again. Gone. Gone. Thought I was a little adult now. Then recently, like, I don't know why, but I just, I was like, I just kind of want to see your face. Actually, I do know what it was. I saw a TikTok and it was like, everyone judges us for using Snapchat, but it's the only way that I get to see my long distance boyfriend's face every single day. And all of a sudden I was like, you know what it does make sense? It really makes sense because sometimes, again, I don't have anything to text you. I have nothing to text you. I'm literally just studying in my room. But I want to talk to you. I want you to know that I'm still here. I want you to know that I'm thinking about you. But 
I can't message you like every other hour. I'm thinking of you. It would be really creepy, you know? Like, that would be weird. And sometimes I don't have to put any... I don't have the brain space to think of more conversation. And also, small talk over text can be really dry. Like, it can be really, really dry. And I know sometimes putting your phone down and just not talking is all right. But I really like, like, that kind of constant talking. And so, Snapchat, you know? Been a thing I didn't think I'd ever go back to. But it's where I am at. I am back here now. And... I like it, you know? I also like it because I get to see all the memories from like two years ago today. And it's just really interesting to see how much has changed and see how much has grown. Like I've grown as a person. See how much my face has changed in the past year as well has been something that's really different. But Snapchat, honestly, don't knock it till you try it. You're definitely... It's something I wish I'd done so much earlier. The next section we're going to talk about for long distance relationships. Sorry, I feel like I'm like articulating a lot with my hands. So I'm probably moving way too much. But... The next section is all about trust. And this is the other pillar of being in a long distance relationship is you have got to trust the person that you are with. This is not going to be a fun experience if you don't trust each other. And I'm saying that right now. Do not go into a long distance relationship if you cannot trust the person that you're being in that relationship with because you are going to set yourself up for failure. You're going to set yourself up for the most miserable, anxiety-inducing time because anytime they do anything... You're going to feel really anxious and shit about it. And I'm speaking from experience. Like, don't get into a relationship with someone unless you trust them, okay? You're going to make yourself miserable. You're going to make yourself absolutely miserable. And it's something that, like, I struggled with. And I guess, like, worst case scenario happened for me. I was in a long distance relationship and he did cheat on me. And, like, it was with who I thought it was going to be with. And, you know, like, all of that shit happened. But that left me with quite a lot of, like, I was scared of trusting someone again. I was scared of having that relationship, having that closeness, being able to just be with someone and know they weren't going to hurt me or like that I could trust that they were being honest with where they were. And in the relationship that I'm in now, I'm so happy and I'm feeling so safe. And so I like, I never have any of that anxiety anymore, you know? And it's taken like time to get here. I'm not saying it was instant. Like we started dating when he was going to Freshers Week. And he'd just come back from travelling. Can you imagine? Worst case scenario for someone to meet someone is when they're about to enter freshers. And I was in third year. Like, I was very in a different mindset to the mindset that they were in. But I think deep down I knew I trusted. But it took me a while to build up that trust. And I think now it's not even something that crosses my mind as like a potential worry ever. It's nothing that I ever think about. It's nothing that I'm ever stressed about, which is a development that I'm so proud of myself for getting to. Because it has taken so much time and so much work. It's taken so much communication and understanding. And it's taken like, we've had, I've like felt so insecure about it. I've argued about it. I've caused dramas about it. Like, I have felt insecure about it. But the evidence speaks louder than your feelings and they are not going to hurt you just because someone else hurt you and that was something that it took me a while to get over and now like he works in the events industry in raves and nightclubs it's like it's the most it like if I didn't trust him I would be miserable absolutely miserable because you are surrounded by beautiful looking girls all on nights out all trying to get with people And you're the person working on the door, letting them in. You're the person running the lights. You're the person running the sound. You're the person working with the DJs, you know? Like, if I didn't have trust, (laughs) where would I be? Like, I would be a nightmare of a person to be around. But I do have so much trust. 
because I know nothing would ever happen. And also I don't spend my time worrying about it because if something did happen, there's nothing I can do about it, you know? And I think that's the other thing, trusting, but also realising that you can't affect it, so there's no point worrying about it. You worrying about the issue will not change the situation. You know, my ex told me that I manifested him cheating on me because I worried about it so much. And that was a shitty thing for him to say, throwing manifestation back in my face. But, you know, realising that you worrying about something won't change the outcome of something is something that's really important. I don't want you to lose sleep over it. I don't want you to worry yourself anymore. If they're going to do something, it's going to happen. But you have to trust that they're not. And if they do, that's on them. That's nothing on you. Makes them a shit person, not you. And finally... The final thing, if I can give you any hints on being in a long-distance relationship, is use this time wisely. Please use it wisely. There is a period of your life that is very short that you are fully on your own. You know? You leave home at 18. Let's say you go to university until you're 21. You might, like, the age doesn't matter. That's just what I'm trying to say. You know? 21. You then have potentially, potentially, a nine-year period until you're 30. Like, let's say you meet someone by the time you're 30, you in a relationship, that only gives you 10% of your life where you are fully focused on you, where you are fully engaged in who you are, where you are your only priority, you know? And throughout that time, you're going to be dating people, you're going to see people, it might be serious things. Like, for me, what if me and my boyfriend live with each other soon? Like, when I say soon, I mean in that hypothetical chance of soon, I mean soon in the five years soon not in the anytime soon soon but if we do live together in then that gives me five years left of just being me of cooking myself dinner of doing everything myself of working out what I want to do at the weekend of putting my career first of working late of doing stuff on the podcast five years left of just doing me of working out who I am when I'm lonely working out who I am when I'm bored creating a really strong friendship group around myself because as I said Long distance, you don't have that comfort blanket. You are on your own a bit. You're almost... You're not single without the... Like, you're, like, single without ever getting with anyone. Do you know what I mean? In that sense of you're single because you're spending so much time on your own. I know you obviously have someone who you're in love with, so you're not really. But you have that kind of time to focus on yourself. And I think it's such a beautiful time to really focus on yourself. Because all of a sudden, you're not thinking about getting with anyone. You don't have to think about going on dates. You have a boyfriend or girlfriend or partner or whoever you're seeing. You have that person. You have a person that you're being with. And so, all of a sudden, that's not even a thing you worry about anymore. Or not worry. Worry's a bit extreme. But it's not even a thing you think about. You have all of this extra room just to focus on you. To nurture yourself. To work out what you want to do. And I think that's really exciting. And I think you should definitely see that as an opportunity. Work out different clubs that you can join, work out different gym things you can try out, different ways you can spend your time, read books, cook yourself new meals. Spend this as a time getting to know yourself because it is limited. You are not going to get this again, you know? You're not. And that's kind of made me feel more grateful for this experience. I think one year in, I was very motivated by being like living with each other when we finished uni. We've finished uni and we're not living with each other and... The reality is, is I don't see that for a bit, you know? Definitely not next year, maybe the year after. But I think seeing that as a time to focus on myself and work out what I want to do has been really motivating. And having that mindset of, I want you to do everything. This is the other thing. 
having a mindset of we aren't apart, we are, no, having the mindset of we are apart, so take every opportunity and grab with it, like, you've got to make this time worthwhile, I'm not being long distance for fun, you know, it's not that much fun, it is, and I do, like, I'm fat happy with it, but obviously if we were together that would be better, so making sure that you use this period of time wisely, use it to work out what you want to do, use it to create an incredible life for yourself, okay, use it, because then it kind of makes it feel more worthwhile and it makes it so much better I used to say that I could never understand people who lived in different countries and like how that would ever work but recently I've realized the thing that I could never do is be long distance forever for the foreseeable future that's not something that I could do personally like fair play if you can there's no right or wrong answer it's just not something I can do knowing that at some point in our lives in the next 10 years we are going to live together and that is our future is something that I find really exciting But making sure that I use this time worthwhile now has been a massive motivating factor because it's like I'm bringing more to the team. I'm trying to bring as many things as I can to our side of the team and that's something that I'm really proud of and it's something that's really motivated me when the moments where I have found it hard. And I think finally realising you are going to have shit days but create a really good support network around yourself. Surround yourself with a friendship group that you really love, that you take the time to curate, that love you and you enjoy spending time with because... The thing is, there are going to be points where you are feeling a bit lonely and you do just want a hug from your mate. And that's okay. Long distance is hard, but it it can be really rewarding. And it has been for me. It's not the right decision for everyone. And I know a lot of people wouldn't even think about doing it. But it's something that I think when you found someone that you really click with, you found someone that you really value, that can be something that's really special. And knowing that I've got that relationship, knowing that I'm also able to focus on myself and work out what I'm doing has been like something that makes me so happy and I know I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't have that relationship because the amount that we build each other up is really something that's I'm really like I love I love that about us is that we're always trying to build each other up and make each other better and so supportive in everything that we do when I was like I might go to Colombia for three months he was like go for it have an incredible time there's never any guilt about anything which is something that I have struggled with I have struggled with like thinking oh he's picking that over me and blah 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 But seeing the bigger picture has been really helpful in that. And it's something that has been a growth moment for me. And it's something I'm really proud of. But anyway, onto the question parts of this week's podcast. And if you don't already follow me on Instagram and or TikTok at you've got mail underscore pod, then what are you doing? Uh, So rude of you. But anyway, onto the questions for this week's podcast. So onto the question part for this week's podcast. Now, you guys had a lot of questions for this topic, and I think it's a really interesting one to discuss because I guess it's kind of rare. Not a lot of people our age are in long-distance relationships, and so it's probably going to be a bit of a longer question time. Just skip after you get bored because I realise that it might not be as engaging if you're not interested in this type of thing, so I won't be offended. Okay, first one. My boyfriend is going off to uni September, so we've agreed to try long-distance. Any advice? Listen to everything that I've said in the podcast. Really try and be as patient as you can and realise that this is a work in progress. I think it's something that it takes time to f- perfect and it takes a lot of understanding and a lot of like patience. But you have to remember the core is the fact that you love each other and that you do want to try. And that was something that was really motivating for me is that I love you, I do want to try. And so anything that happens, like, we'll get through it. But I think, yeah, definitely take on board the different things that I've said and try try and see if they work for you. I think clear communication is also really, really essential. This is only going to work if you guys talk to each other because talking is all you have. You can't expect them to know when you're upset or angry or moody at something they've done because they're not with you. They're not mind readers. So definitely communicating that effectively has been something that's been really important for me. 
Weird question, but how do you know when you're in love? Hmm. It's not a weird question, it's an interesting question. Because, yeah, it's like, when do you transition to thinking, like, I like you, I love you? And I think, I think there's different phases of love, you know? I think there's the initial excitement, like, honeymoon, blah, 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 type phase. But then, like, I still feel really excited whenever I see my boyfriend. Like, I still sometimes get nervous, like, excited when I'm going about to go see him. Like, it's never got boring. And I don't know if that's because of us being long distance. Like, we're never fully spending loads and loads of time with each other. So it is still, like, a new thing when we do spend time with each other. But I think you know when you're in love when... I just feel really, really, really happy when I was around him. And I feel like that signaled to me. I was like, I feel so happy. I feel so comfortable. I feel so safe. I loved how it was with my family, like everything just kind of clicked. And I was like, I think this isn't something that I want to let go of yet. And I didn't know, I don't think you know it's love until you know, know it's love. Do you know what I mean? I think it's a culmination of so many different things, like so many different feelings and thoughts and experiences that all of a sudden you realise that this person in your life is something really great and you don't want to let go of them. And that's when I think... That's when I think you know you love someone. I think you can love someone before you know you love someone, if that makes sense. Like, you'd have that gut feeling of, I really like you and I want to be with you. And then, like, more and more evidence kind of, like, comes into play and then you know, then you know you love them. Okay, let's go on to the next question. This is a good one. Do you ever feel like you're giving each other monologue updates rather than having conversations? I do. Yeah. And this is definitely something that I've had to work on. My ability to talk without just giving updates, I think asking questions, I think it's something that, I think the thing is, it's something that's normal, because so much is happening in your lives, that there's so much to talk about, but often it can just feel like you're unloading, like offloading facts about your life, rather than actually discussing different things, and I think this is the thing that I've become, rather than asking each other just about each other's lives, I think it's really important to just start asking about each other's interests, and what you've been watching, and just chatting, like just chatting, And I think this is where clear communication and speaking regularly is so important because you start to have that more common ground type conversations because sometimes it's just like, oh, how's your day going? What have you been up to? That type of thing. Once Once you've got over that feeling, I think that it's really important then to try and just talk about other things because it can feel like a dead end silence. It can feel like I don't know what to say to you, but talk about anything. Talk about what you've been watching recently, what you've been listening to. Have you heard about this that's going on in the news? Like any type of interesting conversation that you'd normally chat shit about, talk about that because that's like something that will make it feel more normal. I think this is the thing. The small type talk type of conversations are nice because I guess they make you feel more connected. You know about each other's lives, you know what's going on. But it can also make you feel really far away from each other because all of a sudden you don't feel that close. It feels like you're talking to a stranger. It doesn't feel like you're talking to each other. And I think this is where sometimes it's nice to just have like really long phone calls, which sounds strange, but being on the phone and giving each other like an hour of your time, not just a quick 10 minute update so that you can still feel connected and That's not going to be able to happen every single night. You're not going to be able to do that all the time. But you are going to be able to do it once a week or every other, like twice a week, three times, whatever works for you. But giving yourself that longer type of conversation and giving yourself the space to have that longer conversation is something that's been kind of instrumental in making sure that I still feel close to him. Like it's, and I get what you mean because you can just feel like you're doing life updates, but that that has been something. On a long distance friendship point of view, how to keep your friendship in daily conversation. 
I think in terms of long distance friendships, the way you keep it in daily conversation is, right, I know I said I hated Snapchat, but as you heard on the podcast, it's actually been pretty great recently because sometimes you don't want to talk, sometimes you can't talk, but you just want to see each other's face. And I think it kind of keeps up that conversation because sometimes you don't have anything to say. Sometimes you don't have anything to talk about, but you want to carry on communicating as if you are with each other. And so I think Snapchat in a weird way can be like a really nice way to do that. I think also recognising though that it is a long distance friendship and you're not going to be able to be as in contact all the time. They're going to have different things going on. But making sure that you call them every single week, making that part of your daily routine and sticking to that daily routine is something that's really important. I'm terrible at calling people. I'm really, really shocking. But it's definitely something that once you start doing it, the first call's a bit awkward, but then after you get past that, it's not awkward anymore. You start to get closer and closer and closer, and I think it's something that's really beneficial. And so the way I think you keep your friendship in your everyday life is making sure that you give time to it. You take out an hour of your week each week to just chat to them. You work out a FaceTime thing. You watch Netflix party. It doesn't, like, you can do anything. It just has to be something, you know? has to be some way of making you guys a little bit more connected. And I think... Things like that, because sometimes texting and Snapchat, like I recognise they can get a little bit boring. They can be a little bit dry. And so that's not always going to work. But this I found has been really, really helpful. Do I think exes can be friends? Hmm, maybe. None of mine can. But like, maybe. You're very, it, it all depends on how you guys ended things, I think. But also like, this is just my opinion. Your gut feeling tells you what you think. And that's all that matters. I think it depends where that friendship is coming from. If you're only being friends with them because you want to get back with them, then that's not a friendship. That's like you're waiting. And I think that's the danger of being friends with exes is that you don't take anyone else in your life seriously because you're always waiting on the potential for that situation to come into something else. And so I guess, I think you can be like, imagine if you dated when you were really young, like you were 12 when you dated or you were 16 when you dated and it was like a nothing relationship if you're 12 and you were like children, it was a nothing, nothing. It was basically just friends. Do you remember when you were at primary school and everyone used to be like, I'm dating, blah, 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 blah. Like, it was a nothing relationship. But I kind of feel like every relationship is a something relationship. And so that can be a little bit tricky. I don't know. For me, personally, no. It couldn't be because I'd always be, I'd just be like, I just, I need fresh starts. I need a new person. And I would, I would just feel like I was comparing them too quickly. Maybe after a lot of time you can be, but personally, no. But it's a personal decision based on your personal relationship. So it's kind of hard to generalise on that one, you know? Okay, let's have a little look at the anonymous questions. What time did you go to bed last night? <laughs> maybe half 12. Maybe. Maybe it wasn't my finest moment. Maybe the bedtime routine has gone to shit. I actually did very well Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday. Just Monday, Tuesday, really. Dream job. My dream job would be to combine my next job with the podcast, would be to be able to do some more podcast things full time, like you've got mail stuff. I have so many creative ideas and things that I want to do, but I just don't have the time of the day to do it. I don't have the time to do anything, and I find that kind of overwhelming at points, the fitting everything in. So my dream job would be a way that I could merge all of these different things together, something more like creative and social and connective. I think rather than having a dream role, because I don't really know what the dream role would be, it'd be something that intertwines all the things I really enjoy. So communication, speaking to people, sharing information, connecting people, bringing people together is something that's really important to me and something that I really enjoy. And so maybe something along those lines. 
Your worst personality characteristic. Mm. I'm an overthinker. I really stress about it. I stress about a lot of things. One of the podcasts no one listened to and I was just sat there like, no, like last week, two weeks ago, my listenership dropped by like 200 people. And I was like, what have I done? What did I do? And I massively have been overthinking it for like the past week and just been ignoring it, ignoring it, ignoring it and just been feeling like really guilty about it. And then this week it's jumped again back up high. And I'm like, oh, oh, maybe it was an anomaly, but either way, everyone's back listening and that makes me happy. So I think my worst personality trait has been the biggest overthinker that you've ever met in your entire life. Ever cried in a movie? Guys... Do you not know me? I'm an emotional wreck in a movie. I am a very emotional person. I will cry at every single film ever. I've cried in every film. If, they, they, if there is a sad part in the film, I have cried on it, okay? It's a character trait that I'm not proud of. You know, it can be embarrassing at points when I watch The Whale. That's on Prime by, at the moment as well, everyone. Just reminding you to watch that film. God, I that was the saddest film I've ever watched. So if you're wanting a bit of a cathartic release, watch that. If you're wanting a happy film, don't watch that. But yeah, I've definitely cried in a film. What's your dream house? My dream house. I see, do you know want to know what my issue is? I want loads of dream houses. I need to have a house everywhere. I have so many things of what I want. I want to live at like city slicker penthouse. Is that what we say, city slicker? That sounds kind of weird when I say it out loud. Like, penthouse vibes, view across the city, seeing sunrise, sunset, like, beautiful flat. I want that. And then I also want a cottage in the countryside where I can switch off and just feel calm. But then I also want a flat, like, a house on the beach where I can just run into the sea every day and I want to live, like, in the warm country and I want to live on a tropical island. So, basically, I need to turn into a billionaire and have lots of houses. I think everything is my dream house. I think I could honestly make anything my dream house. Maybe not anything, but I could definitely I could definitely do something with something. I am excited to have my own house, you know. It is like an exciting thing, but yeah. I'm more excited just to decorate somewhere as my own and have money to decorate it. That'll be an exciting thing. But anyway, on to the new things I've done this week. So the new things that I've done this week is actually... I know contradiction saying I've stuck into a bedtime routine, but I have been trying to carve out more space and I didn't Wednesday or Thursday because I had a bit of a breakdown. I can't lie. Breakdown's extreme. It wasn't a breakdown. I had a bit of like a because I deleted all my data. Then I got told that all of my data sets had to change and I just felt like a loss with everything that I'd done. But now I'm feeling calmer about it. I've spoken to people. I've communicated how I feel and I'm in a much better position And so now I'm able to start putting in boundaries again in how I'm doing because it's something that has been really beneficial and it's been making me feel calmer and I've been sleeping really well. And I think that's been an important thing. I woke up Monday, Tuesday at 20 past seven and I felt excited for the day. I felt ready and it made me realise how much more I thrive on eight hours of sleep. So starting from today, eight hours of sleep is back on the cards and I'm excited about it. Other new things I'm doing this week... I'm going, oh, do you know what? This is what I absolutely love about You've Got Mail and the podcast community that we've all created is how much lovely things and incredible things you all do. Like someone messaged me off the podcast and they run a candle making workshop and they're like, do you want to come? And I was like, yes, of course I want to come to a candle making workshop. So I'm doing that tomorrow. And you know, that was a new thing that I've done is 
feeling oh just it just makes me feel very grateful I feel like you'll have been able to hear a clacking all of this time from my bracelets bashing together and I'm very sorry about that I need to sit more still I have now recognized this issue but it's something that I felt really proud of and excited about and just very grateful for I've also started nannying again because I need some more money people you know I need to start earning some serious cash for Vietnam Apparently, this time last year, I hadn't yet booked Bali, and I think that's a lie, but apparently, Lou, I like, Lou is like, you're really stressing about this Vietnam trip, and it's because I read on my new contract that I can only get two weeks off at a time, which is obviously very normal, like, I've just never had a working contract before, and I didn't know what it entailed, and so I want to make use of this month I had beforehand to go away and have a massive break, like a big, 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 big break, and so... Other new things I've done this week, been back at the gym, I've been back to running and been back to reading. I'm reading the same book that was written last week because I am a slow reader, Um, but I'm just feeling like on track with things again. And I feel that kind of, it's bad because this brain tide that I feel is always like synonymous with burnout and that's not something I want to encourage. But it's also, I feel proud of myself for putting in the work and working so hard recently. I have really been working hard and I'm really proud of what I've managed to achieve and I'm proud of, like, it's this silly things like doing the podcast. I'm proud of myself for doing this today, you know? Wasn't sure I had the space for it. Wasn't sure I had the mental capacity for it. I had therapy this morning. It was, like, quite like a ah, session, you know? One of those. And I always find therapy quite, like, draining because it's a lot of talking, a lot of thinking. And so recording the podcast and the, like, therapy on the same day and doing TikTok content, like, feel like there's so many things flying around. But I'm trying to make more space. I'm trying to be more organised with things. And I'm happy as stressed as I am, I am happy and I'm really excited for the weekend and I hope you're having a lovely weekend too. Thank you for listening. It honestly makes my day. And if you have any feedback, then answer the question box. I love, love, love hearing about your messages and your days and what you guys have been up to and what you thought about the podcast. It honestly makes me so happy. Really, really does. I am thinking about doing a little meetup picnic type thing. And I don't know if anyone would be interested in it. So if you could answer on the little box where it says, would you be interested in coming to a picnic? Just put yes. And then I'll know whether to do it because not going to lie, I don't want to be the only person that turns up. That would be embarrassing. <laughs> I love you loads and I hope you have a great week. Make sure that you follow me on you've got mail underscore pod on Instagram and on TikTok and I'll speak to you soon. I love you. Bye.